Welcome to day four of our look together through the Gospel of Mark, chapter one. We're going to be looking at verses 21 to 34 today. This has been a week of introductions in Mark, chapter one. Introductions by the prophet and John, introductions of Jesus by the Father, introductions of Jesus to Satan in temptation on this planet, and then introductions of Jesus with his own disciples. And now, what we've been looking forward to at the end of this chapter, you have the introduction of Jesus to the multitudes. In these last verses, and there's a good number of stories in these last verses of John chapter 1, you see how Jesus begins to minister to the crowds. And you see it in two ways. You see the introduction of his ministry to the multitudes in his teaching and in his healing. And in in many ways, this last part of Mark chapter 1, you might call this a, a typical day in the life of Jesus. Here's what happens at the beginning of this typical day. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed, and they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him? News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. There's an important word in the book of Mark that we see several times in this first chapter of Mark, and you see it begin to come up in these verses I've just read. It is the word immediately. Immediately. It's the Greek word euthos. It's used 41 times in this gospel. It's used eight times immediately in this first chapter alone. Now, it's translated in different ways, this Greek word, but it means the same thing every time it's translated. Immediately. In these verses, you see the immediacy of Jesus' action. You see the immediacy of Jesus' call to his disciples, do it now. You see the immediacy of God's power. God's power to heal, God's power to make a difference. God's power is immediately available in your life. And that's what picture Mark is painting for us here. He paints the picture of Jesus' teaching and how it changed people's lives. They were amazed at his teaching. You need to know that the Pharisaical teachers of that day, they mostly talked in footnotes about the fine points of the law. This little argument here and this little argument there. Jesus, Jesus taught with clarity about the will of God in people's lives. And everybody recognized the difference. He taught with authority. He taught with the truth of the will of God. That was the authority behind his teaching. You also see in these verses the immediacy, not just of Jesus' teaching, but also of his healing. He heals someone of an evil spirit. This evil spirit comes and says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, be quiet and come out of him. Jesus didn't want demons telling the news about who he was. Jesus wanted himself to tell the good news in his time and in his way. Now, I know a lot of us read this and we don't see the experience here. We see the demon and we think, what in the world is this about? And should I be afraid of demons? Let me just talk about this with you for just a minute. When you see someone who is disconnected from reality, as this man was, who's speaking with a voice that wasn't his own, disconnected from reality, There could be three causes. It could be physical, could be a mental illness, could be emotional, could be an emotional breakdown, or it could be a spiritual cause. It could be a demon. And the truth is, all three look the same. 
And the truth is, you shouldn't be any more afraid of one than the other. They all come from the evil one. Satan's the one who brought sin into the world that creates the physical problems that create mental illness, so that create the emotional breakdowns that create the same thing. They're all the same in the end. So in the end, this idea of being so impressed with demons and how I can pray and get them out of people, a lot of times that's a spiritual pride I've noticed. I think the way to handle the person who's disconnected from reality is to first check the physical and then the emotional. And while you're doing that, you pray. If someone's disconnected from reality, you need to get them to a doctor. While you're getting them to a doctor, you pray, God, if there's something spiritual going on here, then in the name of Jesus, I ask that that demon would come out. You don't need to make a big show of it like they do in movies. That's just for movies. You and I have the power of God in our lives. The worst thing you can do is try to deal with somebody's physical problem in a spiritual way, forgetting to deal with the physical. That's like praying that somebody's cancer would be removed and never taking them to a doctor. I guess I'm saying this. Don't be so impressed with demons that you give them some kind of quality or power over you that they simply do not have. There is an evil one at work in this world. His name is Satan. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's why demons, by the way, cannot invade the life of a Christian because you've got God's spirit in you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So don't be so impressed with demons. Just pray that God would remove them if they're there and get people the help that they need. The Bible says that Jesus, because of his simple way of talking to this demon, cast him out. And because of that, people were very amazed at what God's power was doing. And in verse 28, the Bible says, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. I guess so. He's immediately teaching in ways nobody's ever heard. He's immediately healing in ways that no one's ever seen. Look what happened next on this day in the life of Jesus. Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Again, Jesus wanted to tell who he was, not demons. Now notice what happens here in these verses. Jesus goes from a synagogue to a home. And it feels like, well, it's after church. They're going to go have a meal together. But nothing is simple in the life of Jesus. At this home, there was someone there who needed healing as well. It happened to be Simon's mother-in-law. Happened to be the house of Simon and Andrew. So you would suppose she was the one who might be in charge of cooking the meal. But instead, she's in bed with a fever. So Jesus goes in and talks to her and heals her. In this case, Jesus was helped and the disciples were helped by her being healed because she immediately got up and began to fix a meal for them and to wait on them. And then the whole town gathered. And everyone saw their family members being healed. Somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's cousin, somebody's aunt, demons being cast out, various diseases being healed. Now, you and I read this story, and there's half of us that rejoices that God's power had come into the world. But there's another half of us that looks at this and thinks, why can't I be healed? Or why can't my friend be healed? Why doesn't Jesus heal me? Why doesn't Jesus heal them? If he was able to heal every disease that was here, why doesn't he heal every time? Well, let me remind you of two things about that. First of all, Jesus did not heal every disease in all of Israel. Just those who were able to come to him, and many were not. 
So God's nowhere promised that if I'll just pray the right kind of prayer, he will heal every disease. This was an unusual circumstance where Jesus was showing his power. God in human flesh was walking this earth. And as he walked this earth, out of his compassion, he healed those that came up to him and asked for healing. So what should I do when I need a healing, when a friend of mine needs a healing? A lot of compassion, I should go and pray for them. Or seeking God's compassion, I should pray for myself. But after you go out of compassion, after you seek God's compassion, then you rely on God's compassion. I'd be a fool to try to describe why God sometimes heals one and sometimes why he doesn't heal one. There are many different reasons why. And there are some that I'm never going to know or understand until I get to heaven. Maybe I won't need to know and understand when I get to heaven, but I certainly won't understand it on this earth. But I do know this. I can rely on God's compassion. And I do know this. God still often heals his servants today for the same reason as he healed this mother-in-law. He has things for you to do, so he heals you. And I do know this. In those times when God does not heal, when you must suffer a lifelong illness, when you must suffer through a difficulty that you see other people not having to suffer, but you have to suffer, I do know this. Even in those times, God will pour his compassion upon the person who is suffering, and he'll pour his compassion upon those who are watching the person suffer. In my relationship with God, I have learned, and I hope you've learned this, that even in the times when I don't understand what he's doing, I can trust him. I can trust him because he's not a God that I go to just to get what I want. He's a God that I serve because I trust his will. And when God doesn't heal, you trust his will that he's going to use the healing for his sake. You trust his will that he's going to use the healing for his timing. You trust his will that he's going to use even the sickness that may remain to show his power in the world. You trust him. I know that trust is a very personal thing. As we talk to God right now, I want to give you a chance to trust him in a fresh new way. Just say to him, Jesus Christ, I trust you. There are things like demons talked about in these verses that I don't totally understand, but I trust you. You have more power than any demon. You're the God who made this universe. Greater is he who is in me than anyone that's in this world, including spiritual forces. And God, I trust you more than any sickness that might come upon me or somebody that I love. Lord, whether you heal it immediately, heal it eventually, or for some reason that I don't understand, allow it to, allow it to last. I know that I can trust you. I know that one day we'll be in a place where there's no more sickness and pain, that eventual eternal healing is on the way. And I know that on this earth, you will pour out your compassion. And I pray that instead of me focusing on what you haven't done, help me to focus on what you have done in bringing me salvation and comfort and life. And you'd help me to live the life that you've given for me to live, a life filled with joy, a life filled with the good news of what only you can do, Jesus Christ. Help me to live that life, Jesus. Help nothing to get in the way of me living that life. No fear, no disappointment, nothing to get in the way of living the life that you've given me. I ask this, Jesus, in your name, amen. Join us tomorrow as we end our look at Mark 1. We're going to be looking at verses 35 to 45. We're going to look at what happens when Jesus wakes up the next morning.